Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. Good to be together this morning to worship God. Many of you know that I was away in Florida for a few days last week, attending the lectures and preaching at a couple of different churches last Sunday, but I'm especially happy to be back with my favorite people on the planet, and that is the people of God here in this place. So good to see you, and I look forward to worshiping together today. Today is the day when millions of people across the country and across the globe are going to be watching the most important event in all of American sports, and that is the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56 is taking place today in Los Angeles between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you plan on watching the game, but I do want to use a football illustration to kind of just set up who and what we're going to be talking about together in our study from the Word of God. Since today is a big football day in our in our country, I thought it would be appropriate for us to begin our lesson with a football illustration. And this illustration really has nothing to do with anyone from the Bengals or the Los Angeles Rams. Instead, it has to do with a man by the name of Jim Marshall. You ever heard of Jim Marshall before? Brother Mitch is a big football fan. He's probably heard of Jim Marshall before. Jim Marshall actually played defensive end for almost 20 years for the Minnesota Vikings in the 1960s and the 1970s. During his career, he won an NFL championship. He recorded 127 quarterback sacks. He played in two NFL All-Star games, 282 consecutive games, and is one of only 11 players to have played and all Super Bowl appearances, all four Super Bowl appearances by the Vikings in the 1970s. He seemed to be a pretty good football player, but unfortunately, he is also infamously known for being involved in one of the most embarrassing plays in NFL history, a play in which he ran. He ran the wrong way. He ran the wrong way in 1964, on October 25th, 1964, in a game when the Vikings were playing the San Francisco 49ers, Marshall recovered a fumble on defense, and he ran 66 yards in the wrong direction. He actually ran 66 yards to his own end zone, and he scored two points for the other team. He ran the wrong way by accident on that day. But this morning in our study from God's Word, I want to tell you about someone who ran the wrong way on purpose. I want to tell you about someone who ran the wrong way from God on purpose. This person's name, according to the Bible, was Jonah. It was Jonah, the rebel prophet. Many of you are very familiar with who Jonah the rebel prophet is. Many of you know that he's not only one of the most famous prophets in all the Bible, but he's also one of the most famous people in all the Bible. People from across the globe are well aware of who Jonah is because they know that he was swallowed by a big fish from the time our kids are very small. 
they start learning this aspect of Jonah's story. But I want to submit to you this morning that there's so much more to learn from Jonah than that. There's so much more to learn from Jonah's story than the fact that he was swallowed by a big fish. And so go in your Bibles, please, with me to the book of Jonah. This morning, I want to begin a short sermon series with you, a three-lesson sermon series with you from the book of Jonah. I think it's good for preachers from time to time to just open up their Bibles with the people of God and go through books of the Bible. Sometimes we need to just preach from books of the Bible so that the people of God can get, can get passages in the right context. And so beginning today and going for the next three months, on one Sunday a month for the next three months, during the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to have a lesson from the book of Jonah. We're going to do that three Sundays for three months, and we're going to start with Jonah chapter 1. And Jonah chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1, the scripture says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it for their wickedness. Their wickedness has come up against me. Now let's just stop right there for just a moment. Notice how as the book of Jonah opens up, we find God calling Jonah. God calls Jonah. He calls him to go and preach. He calls him to go and proclaim his word. He calls him to go and cry, to cry out against the city of Nineveh. Notice how Nineveh is described in these verses. Notice how Nineveh isn't just described as an ordinary or a regular city. Instead, the scripture says, God says that it's a great city. It is a prominent city. In fact, history tells us that Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. If you recall from your studies of the Old Testament, it would be the Assyrian Empire that would take 10 of the northern tribes of Israel into captivity. According to what we find in 2 Kings chapter 14, Jonah was actually doing the work of a prophet among the ten tribes of Israel during the reign of a man named Jeroboam II. Jonah, during Jeroboam's reign, prophesied good things concerning the people of God in the north, and that kind of caused him to be a national hero. That kind of caused Jonah to be a very popular prophet among the people of God. Now, by the time we get to this book, the book of Jonah, the Assyrians have not yet formed into the superpower that they're going to become. By this time, they haven't formed yet into this dominant world empire. While they are still greatly feared by many nations because of their cruelty and torturing methods, history also tells us that by this time, the Assyrians were facing a lot of problems. They had a lot of issues and trials that they were going through by this time. They had recently experienced a famine. And they had experienced an earthquake and even a solar eclipse. They had also experienced many rebellions within the empire. They had a lot of troubles and a lot of issues that they were dealing with at this time. And here as Jonah opens up, we find God telling Jonah to go and help out those people. Go and preach to these broken people. Go and call these people to repent. 
Notice how at this time, God is not sending his prophet to go and preach to his people, the people of Israel. Instead, God says, I want you to go to some heathen Gentiles. I want you to go and tell them my will. And so we pick up with verse number three. After God calls Jonah to go and preach to these wicked people in Nineveh, the scripture says, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Notice how after receiving this commandment from God to go and preach to the people of Nineveh, the Bible says Jonah doesn't want to do that. Jonah doesn't, doesn't want to go and do what God is commanding him to do. He doesn't want to go and preach to the people of Assyria. Why doesn't he want to do that? Well, you got to read chapter 4 and verse 2 to get that answer. When you fast forward the story to chapter 4 and verse 2, Jonah clearly tells us why he doesn't want to go and preach to these people. The reason why Jonah doesn't want to go and preach to these people is because he doesn't want them to repent. He doesn't want these people to be saved and spared from the wrath of God. These people are enemies of his people, the people of Israel, and he wants them to be lost. He wants them to be completely wiped out. He doesn't want God to save them. Jonah doesn't want these people to be saved. That's why he gets up and he flees to Tarshish. Now, why, where was Tarshish? Well, scholars tell us, many scholars suggest that Tarshish probably appears to have been located somewhere in Spain. Tarshish was probably in Spain, but Nineveh, Nineveh was actually located in modern Iraq. So you know what that means? That means that like Jim Marshall did back in 1964, Jonah's going in the wrong direction. Jonah is going in the opposite direction from where God wants him to go. He is trying to literally run and hide from the living God, but God's not going to let that go down. And so we go back to the text and we look at verse number four. In Jonah 1 and verse four, it says, The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Notice how Jonah is trying to run and hide from the living God. God decides to get directly involved in his life. God is upset. He is angry and he causes a great storm to form on the Mediterranean Sea. In fact, this storm is so severe, it is so bad that the scripture says it's about to destroy and break up the boat. That is how mad God is at Jonah during this time. And so we go back to verse number five. And in verse five, it says, then the sailors, the sailors who were with Jonah on this occasion, they became afraid. And every man cried to his God. Notice how these sailors who were with Jonah are polytheists. They don't believe in the one true and living God, but they believe in false gods. They believe in many different gods, and they're crying to their false gods. And notice this, they throw the cargo which was in the, in the ship into the sea. And that's a big deal right there. That means they're throwing their money in the sea. This is their livelihood. This is how they get their payday right here. And so this storm is so bad that they're throwing their cargo their way of getting money into the sea to lighten it for them. 
But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and falling sound asleep. So the captain approached him and he said, how is it that you're sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Every man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. A few things we need to notice from that text. First, we need to notice how while this storm is taking place on the Mediterranean Sea, the scripture says that Jonah is asleep. Jonah is sleeping during the storm. Now, when you look up that language that is used there very carefully, the idea there is Jonah is sound asleep. He's knocked out. He doesn't have he doesn't have a clue of what is going on. And the captain is shocked by that. The captain is shocked that Jonah could be actually asleep during this storm. He actually goes to Jonah and he says, wake up, Jonah. Why are you sleeping? Get up and call on your God because our gods aren't doing anything. Maybe your God can save us. These men want Jonah to call on his God. They then, as they try to figure out who's responsible for this, they cast lots. Casting lots was something very common in Bible times, often in Bible times, men would cast lots to allow deity to determine, if he decides to do so, what his will is. We find men casting lots all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament. In fact, in the New Testament, if you remember in Acts chapter 1, before Matthias was appointed to be an apostle, the apostles did two things. Remember, they prayed to God and they they cast it lots. These men decide to cast lots to try to find out why this bad stuff is happening to them on the Mediterranean Sea. And the lot fell on Jonah. God exposed Jonah to these sailors. And so we go back to verse 8. And the scripture says, and they said to him, tell us now, tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? The lot falls on Jonah, and they want to know some things about this man. What is your occupation? What do you do for a living? Where do you come from? Where do you live? What country are you from? What is your country? From what people are you? We need to know about you because we're having some problems because of you. And he said, I'm a Hebrew. And look at the language. And I fear the Lord God. Now, what Jonah is doing here is he's contrasting who he believes in to who they believe in. I don't serve some false God. I don't serve in some made up God like you guys do. I serve the Lord God, Jehovah, the one true and living God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. That's who I serve. And when the men heard that, they didn't debate him about that. What does it say? The men became extremely frightened. And they said to him, how could you do this to us? Well, the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea may be, become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly noticed, increasingly stormy. It's getting worse. He said, pick me up. Throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. 
However, the men rowed desperately to return to land, for they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord. Notice they're calling on the Lord. And they said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. There are several observations that we need to make there from those verses. First notice how after Jonah revealed himself to be a servant of the one true and living God, the scripture says that these men, when they heard that, they became afraid. They became terrified. They knew that Jonah was telling the truth. They knew that Jonah's God had to be real and living and powerful, and their gods were absolutely nothing. That's exactly why they asked him, why could why did you do this to us? How could you do this to us? How could you put us in this position? How could you put us at odds with your God, who is clearly the one true and living God? Jonah then told them the truth. He told them that he was running from God. He's told he told them that he was trying to flee from the presence of the Lord, and he suggested that they throw him overboard. He suggested that they kill him, that they allow him to drown in the Mediterranean Sea. That was the only thing that was going to stop the storm that was taking place. Jonah said, you guys are going to have to kill me, but it's interesting. It's interesting how these men don't want to do that. These men don't want to kill Jonah. They don't want to be responsible for him drowning in the Mediterranean Sea. They actually attempt to make it back to the land, but God doesn't let them make it. God doesn't let them save Jonah. God wants to deal with Jonah himself. God wants to teach Jonah a lesson. They're going to have to throw him into the sea. They're going to have to toss him overboard and again it is interesting to me that they don't want to do that that is interesting i mean think about it why is jonah even in this position well he's in this position because he's trying to run away from god he doesn't want to go and preach to a bunch of heathen gentile people and yet who's trying to save him here some heathen gentile people he could care less about saving gentiles but gentiles are trying to save him talk about some irony in the story that's some serious irony. These men, these Gentile men who worship false gods, they're trying to save a Hebrew who would care less about them. And when they realized they couldn't save him, well, they tossed them into the sea. They threw him in, into the Mediterranean. Before they did that, the scripture says they prayed. They actually prayed to God. They didn't want God to punish them for what they were about to do. After praying, they picked Jonah up, threw him overboard, and the sea became calm. It became just like it was before in that event, according to verse 16. 
Well, that caused those Gentile sailors to start believing in God. They started believing in the one true and living God. They started acknowledging God. They started worshiping God. They sacrificed unto God and even made vows. Keep in mind that these are the same guys who just a few verses earlier, they didn't believe in God. They certainly were not worshiping God. They weren't praying to God. They were not sacrificing to God. They weren't paying or making any vows to God. They weren't doing any of that stuff. But now because of this, well, now they believe in God. Now Jonah's rebellion against God led to these Gentile sailors believing in God and starting to serve him as the one true and living God. And as far as Jonah goes, you know what happened to him? Well, he got exactly what was coming to him. He died. He died right there in the middle of the sea. That's exactly what I think, what I would have thought would have happened if this was the first time I read this story. Wouldn't you? I mean, if this was the first time I read this story, I would think, before going any further, that Jonah got exactly what was coming to him. That rat died right there in the middle of the sea, but God, God doesn't let that happen. God doesn't let him die. Verse 15, 17 says that God actually prepared a big fish, and that fish swallowed him, and he stayed alive in it for three days. That is essentially what we find in Jonah chapter 1. And we're going to consider a couple of more lessons from this book over the next couple of months. But let me close now by giving you some practical lessons to think about. Let me close by giving you three lessons, three important lessons that I think we need to appreciate from what we find here in Jonah chapter 1 concerning God and concerning Jonah. And the first lesson I think we need to take away from all of this is from Jonah chapter 1, we learn that running from God is foolish. Would you agree with that? Running from God is foolish. God gave Jonah a very specific command. He says, I want you to go and preach. I want you to go and proclaim my word to the people in the city of Nineveh. That's what God wanted him to do, but he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do what God told him to do. He didn't want to obey God. He actually tried to run in the opposite direction from God, but doing that, doing that was foolish. Trying to run from God was a complete waste of time. It was a complete waste of time because you and I both know that no man or woman can run from God. No man or woman can hide from the living God, and yet, how often in the Bible do we find people trying to hide from God? I mean, all throughout the Bible, that's what we find. We find people just like Jonah. We find people trying to hide from God. The Bible opens up with people trying to hide from God. Adam and Eve, after they ate from the forbidden tree, what did they try to do? They tried to hide from the presence of God in the garden. Cain tries to hide from God after he murders his brother. The people after the flood, they attempt to build this great tower in Babel because they don't want to do what God wants them to do. Moses tries to come up with all these excuses as to why he can't deliver the people of God. And when Saul is called to be a king in Israel, where is he at? Well, the scripture says he's hiding in the luggage. 
all throughout the Bible, people are, are being just like Jonah. They're trying to run and hide from God and his will. The question is, what about you? What about you? Where are you where, what are you doing? Where are you going? Where are you headed? Where's your Tarshish right now in your life? Where's your Tarshish? I mean, is your Tarshish marriage, divorce, and remarriage? You trying to wiggle and hide from what God has to say concerning marriage, divorce, and remarriage? You know what God says about that. You know in Matthew 19, God says that the only reason he will allow or grant a divorce is if a person's spouse cheats on them. If your spouse cheats on you, commits sexual immorality. You know God says that, but you're trying to run from that. You're trying to hide from that. Maybe your Tarshish is marriage, divorce, and remarriage, or maybe your Tarshish is reconciliation and forgiveness. Maybe you're trying to run from God's will concerning seeking reconciliation and forgiveness when it comes to somebody who's done you wrong. Maybe your Tarshish is forgiveness. Maybe it's reconciliation. Maybe it's getting bitterness out your heart. Maybe it's getting jealousy out of your heart. Maybe it's getting wrath out of your heart. Maybe your Tarshish is baptism. Maybe right now you're trying to run from what Jesus clearly says in Mark 16 and verse 16, where Jesus says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Maybe right now you're trying to run away from that verse. You're trying to run to Tarshish. If you're trying to run from God's will, if you're trying to go to Tarshish right now, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that you're rebelling against God's will. And from Jonah, we learn that rebelling against God carries a huge price. It carries a huge price. When Jonah didn't go and preach to the people of Nineveh, he rebelled against God. He disobeyed God. This man sinned against God. And this sin carried a huge price. It carried a huge consequence. I mean, not only did God not let this man get away, but God also created a situation where he was going to need his help. God also created a situation where Jonah was going to have to pay for his rebellion. Jonah did himself no favors when he rebelled against God and his will. And we also do ourselves no favors when we do the same thing. We do ourselves no favors when we rebel against the living God and his will. In fact, you know what we really do? We actually separate ourselves from God. We actually break fellowship with God. We anger God. We put ourselves in a position not to be tossed into the Mediterranean Sea, but to be tossed into that lake of fire that's prepared for the devil and his angels. Rebelling against God carries a huge price. Jonah learned that the hard way, but thankfully a third lesson we can take away from Jonah 1 is thankfully we serve a God who's a God of second chances. He's a God of second chances. You see, when the book of Jonah opens up, we need to really get this. We need to understand that, the, that when the book of Jonah opens up, this guy Jonah, he is not portrayed in the, in the best possible light. We got to understand this is not a good guy here. He's not a good guy. 
He's not portrayed as a good guy. Instead, he's described as someone who's rebellious. He's described as someone who's angry, who's bitter, and who doesn't care very much about people who are not his people, the people of Israel. In fact, after being tossed into the Mediterranean Sea, you know what God could have done? God could have let him drown. God could have said, I am sick and tired of dealing with this guy. He doesn't want to serve me. Well, he can die right there in the sea. God could have let that man drown in the sea, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't allow this bitter, rebellious, sinful prophet to get what he deserves. Instead, you know what God does? God gives him a second chance. God extends to him kindness and grace and mercy. He extends these things to him through a fish. You see, this great fish, what it really is, is it is an act of God's grace. It is a vessel that God uses to extend kindness and mercy through this fish. What God does is he's given Jonah a second chance to make it right. God prepares a fish to give Jonah a second chance. And how many times has God done something similar with us? How many times in our rebellions... Has, has God provided things to us that are designed to wake us up and give us a second chance? Maybe it was God providentially using a brother or sister in this church to talk some sense in us when we were, when we were getting off the right spiritual path. Maybe it was God providentially having a sermon taught. At just the right time, we heard something we needed to hear. Maybe it was God using our spouse or our kids to help get us back on the right track when we started rebelling against God. Maybe it was God having a daily Bible reading scripture, something we're reading from our daily Bible reading, read on just the right day, something we needed to hear to help us wake up and start serving God better. In the case of Jonah, God's going to use a fish. God's going to use a fish. They have get this man on the right track. Jonah is trying to run from God, but God says, I'm going to run to you. God's going to run to Jonah. God's going to give him a second chance, and maybe that's what you need. Maybe like Jonah, instead of running away from God, you need to run to God. You need to start serving God. You need to submit to his will concerning faith and repentance and baptism you need to come back to him this morning as a Christian who's rebelling against his will. You know better. You need to repent and ask God to forgive you. Whatever your situation is this morning, if it is through God's providence that you're here and you need to start serving him and do better, come to the front right now and we'll help you. Let's stand. Let's sing.